You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hello, thank you for listening. Charlotte Greenway here with episode 92 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. It's Friday the 1st of September and as it's fairly quiet on the racing front this weekend, we'll have a quick look at a couple of races before looking ahead to the action next weekend where there's plenty of stars of the present and potentially the future on show. This week on the podcast, there were a couple of fascinating discussions. First, with Graham Motion on Tuesday's show, where he made the case for scrapping dirt racing in America in favour of a synthetic surface following a couple of high-profile horse deaths. And another was the debate between Lydia Hislop and Patrick Cooper on the Irish Derby trip, and whether it should be run over a mile and a quarter instead of a mile and a half. That was on Wednesday, so definitely go back and have a listen to both of those if you miss them. On to the racing now, and the impressive German derby winner Fantastic Moon lines up in Europe's feature Group 1 this weekend, the Grosser Preis von Baden in Germany on Sunday, and Tom Stanley caught up with his jockey René Pischulek to find out a little bit more about this son of See the Moon. Yeah, he's a bit special. Uh, always you need a good pace. Uh, I don't like the slow races uh, because he's very strong, but he's already uh, he's still a fighter. Yeah, and um, he runs he runs always a good race. Um, he still fights, and uh, yeah, we hope he do the same on Sunday. Now, what's the ground going to be, and how important is the ground to him? Well, actually, the ground is pretty soft. Uh, but uh, the last two days was good ground, and uh, this night we had a little bit rain. But uh, anyway, next days, next two days, it will be sunny and uh, warm, so I hope we get a good ground. Right, so the arc um, possibility, obviously, as you well know, Toccata Tasso took this race before going on to to win the arc but but this horse is different he's not in the arc and 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 he's he, he wouldn't get his ground it wouldn't seem that day so so that is not a possibility right no it's not possible um we we have uh, last year's we have uh, soft ground and he don't like the soft ground so he prefer the good good to firm and uh yeah i think uh mile and a half is a good distance for him if you have a good pace and um yeah uh, but I think 2,000 metres will be the perfect distance for him. And as the the season develops, might we we see him in another race in Europe? Is there anything that you think, obviously depending on what happens on Sunday, is there any race that um, that you or Sarah might have in mind for him? Well, we, we, we want to see how he runs on Sunday, and uh, maybe we have too many options. Uh, one is the Breeders' Cup and one is uh, the Japan Cup. So at the end of the, of the year, that will be one option, one of these. 
As mentioned, it's a fairly low-key weekend of racing in Britain, although there could be a few nice two-year-olds on show in Saturday's Group 3 Solario Stakes over seven furlongs at Sandown, as Judmont and Godolphin both have unbeaten once-race Colts in there, while David Manuissier has Devil's Point, who was beaten on debut, but he did catch the eye that day, and then he bolted up at Foss last second time out. That was on soft ground, and when Nick spoke to David earlier this week, he asked how crucial the ground is to this horse. At the moment, I would prefer to run him on, on, on softer ground as a two-year-old because he does, have a, he does have a little bit of a stiff action, so he takes time to, to warm up. So I think the slow ground um, does help him, you know, and that's why I wouldn't want the ground to be too, too, too quick. Uh, he doesn't need a heavy ground, but soft side of good would be uh, would be good enough. Then he's a good mover. It's just a question of uh, warming up the uh, the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. He he need he needs a bit. Of, he needs a bit of winding up. I mean, he how good do you think he might be? Uh, what, do you see him as a as a as a good stayer in time? Um, I don't know. Look, it's a good question. He's um, he's always showed talent. Uh, and he's from a fantastic family. Uh, the family of the top price at Doncaster yesterday, I think, uh, actually. Um, uh, look, uh, we we are hopeful that the the horse is quite good, but then that's for that's for him to 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 prove himself on the track, really. You know. Uh, in the same cut. How much he's going to stay in the future, though? You know, because he does have a fair amount of speed, so. Uh, you know, there's a fair amount of speed on the on, on the on the damn side, so he could well be a miler, one mile two, you know, uh, if we really stretch. But I don't think he's a mile and a half horse at the moment. Well, it certainly won't be quiet next weekend as Irish Champions Weekend kicks off at Leopardstown on Saturday, and then it's the Curra on Sunday. Ballydoyle maestro Aidan O'Brien has an incredibly exciting squad lined up and he ran Jay Mangan through a few of them with Group 1 targets, starting with August Rodan and Luxembourg in the Irish Champion Stakes. Yeah, very happy with both. Luxembourg uh, had came out uh, Ascot very well and he's in a real good place. Augustus is in, is in great order. Um, we, we think he, that run is, was just a, an off day for a lot of different reasons. Um, we're very happy with him. His work is very good. I had a two of them around that programme and uh, looking forward to seeing him again, really. Could both of them run? Po- possibly could. It'll be depend on what the lads will decide, but it is possible that both could run. Um, but they'll des- the lads will decide that close to the time. But both of them are on that programme at the moment. Hopefully um, that all the horses from around will come and, and uh, it could be a very exciting race. And the Coolmore-sponsored matron stakes, I see Meditate on the string looking good. Yes, she's had a good break and she's 20 kilos heavier now than she was. So there's a chance that she was a little bit weak and it all happened a little bit early for her. So there's a chance that she's going to come back. Um, very happy with her. Uh, she's laid back in her work. She, she's working in a pair of blinkers at the moment because she's very lazy. And there's a chance that she could run in them, but uh, not decided yet. But we're very happy with everything she's doing at the moment. And... Uh I couldn't help but recognise Kiprios. God, he looks good. Yeah, he, he's in great order. Uh, he was at the Curra two weeks ago. Um, like Obviously, we're turning the screw every week now to get him fitter and fitter, and we just have to be a little bit careful with him, just not to set him back. But we're very happy where he is. Uh, he could run in the ledger, but really being realistic, whether he'll be fit enough to win, I couldn't be sure. And You'd probably say couldn't be, but if he got a nice run and we got back on the 
on the road again he could go from there to Arkwick and to something or something like that that's what we're thinking um, you can't beat match practice you can gallop them away too much and we just don't want to turn the screw too much and kind of hopefully let uh, when we get him racing let him come back hopefully that day but we're very happy with his movement and uh, everything about him his weight is good uh, he's not too much above what he was last year but we just don't want to uh, rush him too much but who will be race fit will be Emily Dickinson yes Emily's in great order she loves soft ground uh, if the ground is soft she grows another leg in it she's, she's uh, very straightforward uh, all she wants is plenty of pace in front of her um, um, she's a very hardy filly and, and obviously you think should have a big shot in it. Big shot in the Irish Champ- or the Irish St. Ledger. Your two-year-olds this year, I don't know if you've ever had such a, a team of two-year-olds. We can't list them all, but City of Troy. Yeah, very happy. He, he goes to the, uh, the National Stakes at the moment. That was the plan. Um, he's doing everything really right. Dean rides him out and rides him in all his work. Um, so Seamus and John, everyone's in charge of him. Um, Alex Finn Barstamita, everyone is, is very happy with him. Um, yeah, looking forward to him. Uh, that was the plan. Uh, he had a nice break from uh, Newmarket to now, and um, yeah, he's going to be exciting to see. And the filly, uh, Yelang Yelang? Yeah, she's had a, a little rest. We could have went to the Curra again, and we decided not to leave her alone and train her for the Meigler. She, she's very well. Uh, Dean rides her as well. He rides in her canters and her work. Um, yeah, she, she's really well. Looking forward to the Meigler with her. Aidan's son Joseph also has a whole host of Group 1 entries over the two days in Ireland and looks set to saddle Al Riffer, who won the Group 1 National Stakes at this meeting last year as a two-year-old. The son of Wooten Bassett kept arc favourite Ace Impact up to his work last time in the pre-Dornano. And here's Joseph with an update on his work since then. Um, he's come out of his run in Deauville very well. That was a, a, a great effort and uh, uh, we're hoping for a, a big autumn with him. Uh, obviously, it was a frustrating start to the campaign, given that you couldn't get him out before the the car at the start of July. Has he ticked every box since then? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't be more pleased, really, with his run the last day without winning. Um, um, uh, Christoph felt that with a slightly different setup, he, he could have potentially beat the winner. And um, our horse is very lightly raced, and and uh, that was his second second run ever around the turn. So so um, uh, we think that there's a lot a lot uh, or the best is yet to come from him, and um, we're excited about about uh, the the next part of the season with him. Obviously, like you say, it was frustrating to to miss the early summer, um, but but we had to be patient, and hopefully our patience will be rewarded. Do you think in the future he'd get a mile and a half or no? Um, I do think he will. Um, he certainly is not slow. He's obviously a Group One winner at Seven Furlongs, uh, too. Um, but his pedigree suggests that he should stay a mile and a half. And obviously he's out of a Galileo mirror, but there's also quite quite a bit of stamina further back. So, so I do think a mile and a half is something that we'll consider in the future. Okay, he has an arc entry and he has a, a Kitco British Champion Stakes entry as well. The Matron Stakes, Joseph, over to you because there are lots of possibles. What what's likely? Yeah, I have a, a bunch of entries, um, Tom, and probably what's going to be the final decider on what goes will be the ground. Mm. Um, we have Honey Girl, Gold Anna, uh, Jumbly, American Sonia. All of all of those have been performing very well in good fillies races um, uh, uh, through the season. So, so I think ground dependent. Um, we will then decide what 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 we run, and most likely we'd run a few. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, plenty of entries there, as you say. Um, 
juveniles for for, for this year. Uh, how do you assess the the Moy Glare team? First of all, I think you've got about five or six in there. Um, Dollarina would be the shortest of them at this stage. Is she likely? Yeah, we have two in there. Dollarina and Calaspira are two potentials. Uh, Dollarina would maybe potentially swerve the Moy Glare and maybe Calaspira will take her chance. She was placed in the debutante last time. Um, she'd have an each way chance again. Um, uh, we have uh, Islands in the Stream will most likely be our, our main chance in the National Stakes. He was obviously second to Henry Longfellow in the in the car last time, which was a, which was a great run. Um, um, he'd potentially be our, our main one there. And then we have a couple in the group two in Leopardstown as well. Uh, there's a nice, nice cold called Bad Desire who was just beaten on debut might might drop in there as well as there's a couple of others that are options. And again, we'll have to see what the ground is like um, before we finalise our plan for that race. Okay, I wanted to ask you about Galen who or, or Garland who finished second to City of Troy last time. If he doesn't go to the national, what what might be likely? Yeah, we just had a hold up with him after his debut so um he'd most likely come back for a maiden uh, later you know later in the in the maybe in the autumn um uh, he's a looks very smart cold mm. and the irish ledger again a, a couple of possibilities what what's like um, Yes, um, I think Dawn Rising will probably wait for this is Harwich, um, and um, I may not be represented in the ledger. We okay. have we have a couple of options. Valiant King will probably run in the in the mile and a half race in Leopardstown in preparation for the Caulfield Cup. Um, um, so um, I may not be represented in the Irish ledger. Fine, Dawn Rising, stupid question: Irish is Harwich or British is Harwich? Which one? <laughs> Yeah, he'd probably go to the car. I'd okay. say, um, Tom. Um, um, it's obviously you know big pot, and um, um, he's he's prepared very well for the race. Uh, he just just finished second in the ledger trial um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that, you know looks looks a perfect preparation for the sandwich. The Group 1 Matron Stakes a week Saturday at Leopardstown has a hot favourite in Irish 1000 Guineas and Coronation Stakes winner Tahira, but behind her in the betting, it looks wide open for the places. Judmont's filly Zarinsk appears to be on the upgrade, having scored in a Group 2 last time, and her trainer Jerline shared his hopes for her next weekend. She's done marvellous uh, against all of my uh, worries. She came, she travelled to France and came home a different filly, won her Group 3 and her Group 2 since, which gives her the absolute right to go around the track that she handles brilliantly, Leopardstown. And uh, it's a race that's been on my agenda to try and win since we got beat a, a nose in it many years ago by Kevin Prendergast. Mm. And uh, I'd love to win it with her. And if there's ever a filly that deserves it, it's her. She's been very consistent would have argued that group two group one were maybe beyond her but she's proven me wrong and, and hopefully to be able to line up in the matron and maybe run well in it would be fantastic and winning it would be a dream you know why did she come back from Chantilly a, a different filly you say she literally normally I would say we're travelling to France it's not easy anymore you know coming from here to France the way it would be for a new market trainer it's a long trek now plenty of us do it but uh I would have she's very slight filly and I would have thought this race this trip and everything will leave the mark on her and she literally started to thrive from the trip Andrew Duff brought her down uh, took a few days to do it and she literally started to blossom and bloom and uh, put on weight and hasn't looked back since the trip so you know they make liars of you 
Another meeting to look forward to next weekend is the Sprint Cup day from Haydock. And favourite for the feature, the Group 1 Betfair Sprint Cup, is the Commonwealth Cup and July Cup winner Shaquille, who will be looking to stretch his winning run to seven. James Doyle partnered the three-year-old in his first two starts this term before Shaquille landed two Group 1s under Asheen Murphy and Ross Ryan. But James will once again get the leg up now he's available and trainer Julie Camacho spoke about this decision to Tom Stanley on Thursday. But first, they began with the horse's quirks and why they believe he's really caught the public's imagination. Yeah, he doesn't make life easy for himself or us watching, does he? You've said it much, much more succinctly than me, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know people are bored of me saying, but he's so easy at home, and you know, and it was lovely that James came across when it was York and had a sit on him, and you know, I'm sure he found him a totally different horse to what he's ridden on the racetrack. Hmm. So, so is, wait, that's James Doyle, is it? Who who rides? It is, for, yeah. So he yeah. he's on board for Haydock. Yeah. And um, obviously, uh, you know, we you, you've you've had a, a few jockeys recently who I mean I, I felt he was a horse I remember I was there at Newbury when James was on board and I felt going into Ascot thinking oh well, you might want a rider who knows this horse it's, he's not going to make life easy but it's it's amazing what 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 Asheen and Rosser have done with him subsequently really oh, and, and great that James is back on absolutely you know it shows the class of the jockey getting on him doesn't it you know the, the, and they're used to getting on these horses that they've never sat on before you know I suppose we worry more but I, I had the same sentiments as you, you know, I thought it'd be better going into Ascot. And we thought until the last minute that we did have James. Mm. And, you know, so that was, yeah, disappointing because, you know, he'd ridden him twice and sort of we got to know the horse. And, you know, and especially with Ascot because, you know, we just thought it was going to be a massive occasion for the horse. And it would just be nice to have somebody on him that knew. But, I mean, the two subsequent jockeys have both done a good job with him, haven't they? And you know, we're very grateful for that. Julie, what have you done with him since, not just sort of training-wise, but have you, have you done anything stalls-wise, or do you just leave him be? Uh, James and Craig and Jake came over, it was York, and came over to Malton and put him in the stalls. And I think what they're going, well, we just leave it to, to them, but I think what they're going to do is just take the rug off him just before he jumps. Hmm. You know, and they feel that it's the weight of the rug that's making him do what he he has done. So, so the, that, the, the rug comes the rug comes off in the stalls before gates open. Yeah, yeah. He's going to have the rug on to go in the stalls, and then they'll just pull it off just before he goes to jump. I think I think that's the plan they're going to do anyway. We sort of leave it to Craig and Jake. Uh, you know, they're the experts at the stalls, and we just leave it in their hands. To be honest. And have you thought beyond Haydock and, and just obviously depending on what happens, but but where you'd like to go? I think you'd mentioned that, it, that internationally uh, anything was off the agenda. Is that still the case? Um, nothing's off the agenda. I think Pop, it's, it's hard to say. Maybe at this stage, you know, if Ascot came up a bog, I'm sure Rafe will be doing a rain dance. Um, <laughs> like he was. And... You know, that the plan has always been sort of go to Haydock and then Ascot. But, you know, with horses, everything's fluid, isn't it? Mm. You know, the best laid plans usually go astray. But that was always good. That was always our plan initially anyway. Nothing's off the table, but they were sort of our main plans. That's all for this week. Thank you very much once again for listening. Nick will be back with you on Monday as usual. Have a lovely weekend. 
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.